This is exactly right. On the 12th season of Tenfold More Wicked, we investigate a series of compelling mysteries from the city of Fall River, Massachusetts, where problems started generations before Lizzie Borden's murders made her a household name. Join me as we cover the misfortunes that have befallen this infamous town for more than 150 years, including the Great Fire of 1843. Season 12 premieres Monday, May 13th on Exactly Right. Follow Tenfold More Wicked on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, boo, it's me, Roz Dresfalez. I was looking in our Facebook group, and there's a post. Well, there's, first of all, there's all kinds of creepy doll posts, which are always a good time to look at before bed, um, as I have just done. I will be sleeping very soon. Um, but I also saw something else that I kind of regret uh, <laughs> reading because I'm home alone and I'm scared. But uh, th- this is in the Facebook group, Ghosted by Roz Dresvelez. And this post is from Callan. Callan writes, I've been listening to the show since I got my new job almost a year ago. I work in a mental hospital. It gets really creepy, especially in the early morning hours when the patients are sleeping. The building is old, dark, and quiet. Perfect atmosphere for spooky happenings. Though, I haven't experienced anything. Until a few months ago. I was making the rounds through my section of the building and went into the bathroom. A roll of toilet paper flew off and hit my leg. I didn't think anything of it and put the toilet paper back. As I turned to walk away, the toilet paper hit me in my back. What? I didn't think anything of it because ghosts don't poop, and I went about my day. A little while later, I was in the dining room. I saw a woman standing in the reflection of the window. I went to see if she needed help, but there was no one in the dining room. I decided to check outside. No one there. I went back into the dining room, and the same woman was still in the reflection, only closer to me. (laughs) She was wearing all black, and in stereotypical ghost fashion, black hair over her eyes. I worked for another hour with her just staring at me. Later on, I was in a currently unused wing of the hospital, completely alone, no staff, no patients. I was walking past the padded cells. The door to one of the cells started violently shaking, with the handle spastically moving up and down like someone was trying to break the door down. I calmly exclaimed, yes, I know you're here, hi, and the door stopped. I haven't experienced anything else since, but three weird things in one day was enough. Thanks for reading. Maybe I'll tell you about the time I met a ghost family 
or the ghost who followed me as a kid and still shows up once in a while. Oh my God. <laughs> Thank you, Callan, for uh, contributing to my insomnia. <sighs> Guys, I've got Coco Peru on the show today. And if you don't know Coco Peru, I highly recommend a Google. Coco is a drag icon and legend and one of these people that I am so inspired by and so incredibly fortunate to have as a friend. Um, she's, you know, she's one of these people, the ones, you know, I've had a couple of them on the show that are these like, you know, these friends of mine that I'm so just so lucky to get to even say that, but they're just these to me giants, um, because they've been doing it for I mean, decades and constantly, you know, reinventing themselves. You know, I'm talking Jackie B, Cherry Vine, Peaches Christ. Um, and now we've got Coco. And I didn't know if Coco had any ghost stories, but she is known for her storytelling. She does all these storytelling shows that are fabulous if you ever get the chance. And, uh, you know, I thought, eh, I'll try her. Let's see if she's got one. Girl, wind her up and let her go. She throws paranormal stories left and right. Now, here's what I'm going to say about this episode. We have not had many alien stories on this show. And, you know, there's there's a few reasons. I've kind of I've lightly addressed this before. Um, first of all, I haven't had many guests that have had those experiences, so there's that. But also, you know, first of all, the show's called Ghosted. I assume that most, if not all of you, probably also believe in aliens, or at least like to listen to those stories. I just, I've just always been just kind of nervous to make this show be an alien, you know, all paranormal type stuff. I mean, I like the idea of uh, every once in a while we'll, we'll throw in, we'll sprinkle in an alien for you. Um, to me, you know, I like the spiritual realm. I like the spooky. I like the slumber party feel, you know, I like the, woo. and sometimes alien stuff to me becomes more about, you know, the, the government's hiding things from us, which, you know, I'm not going to say I disagree with, but um, I just don't, I don't know. I just don't want to, I, I just don't want to cause, you know, debates. And, and also, I don't know much about aliens, to be honest. I just, I like to hear about them, though. I know that. I just want to avoid being a conspiracy theory show. So, we're going to be hearing about them today because Coco has had some experiences and uh, <laughs> let's just do it. On with the show. Hello, my girlfriend Coco. How are you? I'm doing well, Ross. How are you? You know, I'm doing okay. I'm doing yeah. I'm doing pretty well for uh, for the, the, the circumstances. Yes, I know. Um, you know, I just wanted you to know um, that I, I said yes to doing this because we're friends. We know each other. And I, I think you're so talented Aww. and hilarious. And then after I said yes, I thought, oh, my God, I've never talked publicly really about any of these 
sort of things, mostly because people think you're crazy or making it up. But um, I couldn't, uh, I decided, well, what the hell, everybody's got a story soon. Yeah, well, you know, part of the reason why I started doing this podcast, like, uh, let's see, maybe a year and a half ago or so, is... I want to show the world that all kinds of people can have these experiences and it, it is a you know safe space like this is a place where anybody that's listening to this podcast is someone that either believes this stuff or they've already heard I don't know 50 plus people telling these kinds of stories yeah. so they're so don't worry about feeling um like anyone's going to think you're crazy. <laughs> I, okay, deal. <laughs> but I was actually, I was so excited. I saw the other day on Instagram that you're going to be doing this show on Netflix. That sounds kind of like it's right up my alley. It's spooky. It is spooky. And um, I'm just so thrilled to be a part of it, especially because the guy who wrote it, Hammer Steel, um, includes LGBT characters in his comic books. Um, with this whole underworld of demons and ghosts. So it's just, it's so right up my alley that um, I, I auditioned for it and I really, really wanted it simply because I thought he's so authentic as a artist and he did what he wanted to do and he's being re rewarded. And years ago I had pitched something that had that element to it. And as soon as I got to that element of like this, you know, this otherworldly paranormal stuff, that's where you could see people kind of glaze over. They weren't interested. Really? So, um, yeah. So I feel like maybe the world has finally caught up. And, um, and this was sort of my, um, I feel like it's a nice little reward for me. Well, the show's called uh, Dead Endia, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So are you playing a demon or who do you play? Um, I play a, um, a character called Pauline Phoenix. And um, <laughs> she's an actress. And it's sort of probably a takeoff on uh, a Dolly Parton type of person who's over the top, almost like a drag queen, and who owns this park. And... and uh, it, they're all, all the attractions are based on her movies, her um, TV shows and her music. And so there is one attraction that is a haunted house that just happens to be a gateway, gateway excuse me, to um, this other world. Oh my God, that sounds so good. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like Dollywood, but... Kind of like Dollywood. Yeah. So what, So you believe in this stuff? Totally, 100%. I, although I always have my moments of complete doubt. So I flip-flop back and forth. But the way I explain it to others is that I don't care if people um, believe in it or not. But for me personally, I've had these experiences. So I know that, that it's true for me. And then on top of that... I just think it's more fun to believe. Yeah, of course. So um, that's the way I look at it. I just think it's more fun. I know. I never understand the option of being like, no, that's not real. <laughs> I've decided it's not because I've never yeah. experienced it. Why? Why? Why would you cut yourself off to that? Right. But I, but I grew up in a neighborhood in the Bronx. So when people hear the Bronx, they have an image of what they think that is. But I actually grew up in a little seaside community called City Island. It is a mile 
long and about a half a mile at its widest. And it's this little, you have to drive over a bridge to get to it. And it's very nautical, very um, old. And it was growing up very haunted. And we grew up hearing stories about ghosts. So to me, that was just something that's always been a part of my life. Like what? Was there like like the urban legend place that everyone knew was haunted or what was the, what were the stories? No, it was just, you would hear little things here and there about, uh, Oh, so-and-so's house or she saw something, you know, things like that. Um, within my own house, um, I believe there was a ghost. I sometimes think it might've been my sister who had passed away, uh, when I was only three months old, she was 15. Mm. Um, so, and it, it was funny because I don't think we, within the family, we talked about it much with each other. But um, years later, I found out that we all felt that there was a ghost in the house. Um, my father, when he was ill, actually saw it standing in a doorway. And um, what did he, he see? Female. He saw a female form, although physically you couldn't really tell that it was female. But um, he knew that it was, he just knew it was a female. And across the chest, there was um, a prism of color, um, almost like a rainbow. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did not feel it was threatening at all. And um, my father was very ill at the time, so we all sort of felt like that might have been my sister letting him know that um, she was looking forward to seeing him, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. The, uh, but I had had an experience in that house, uh, and I was pretty old when this happened. I was in my 20s, I was 19 at least, when this happened. And I was at home alone, sitting in our first floor, which is what we called our basement. And we had two ch- chairs that faced a TV in the corner. And I was in one chair, and my dog was in the next chair. And all of a sudden, above me, I heard someone walking through the living room. And I immediately like freaked out because I thought, oh my God, someone's in the house. And my dog, and if you own a dog, you know that when they hear something or someone at the door or someone on the property, they run towards the sound. Mm -hmm. And the stairs were right there to go upstairs. And instead she sat up in the chair looking straight up through the ceiling. And it was the first time I ever saw my dog's hair stand up on her back and she was baring her teeth, just looking straight up through the ceiling. And then the ghost walked through the living room into the dining room, past the china cabinet. And as it walked past the china cabinet, the glasses rattled. Oh and it came around the dining room table and walked right to the top of the stairs. And I thought, oh my God, it's coming down the stairs. Mm-hmm. And I was frozen in my chair. And then it did not come down the stairs. And all of a sudden I could physically feel something leave. And then my dog just curled right back up on the chair and fell back to sleep. And, um, and I've heard so many stories like that in my neighborhood. And um, my neighbor at one point had told me about his, his family. And um, he said, but you can't tell my mother I told you this story. So I, of course, marched right over to his house and was like, your son just told me this story and I got to <laughs> hear it from you. <laughs> but this is when you were a kid? 
I was still a teenager when she told me this story, yeah. And uh, basically, they had moved in next door, but they had lived in another house on the island. And the island, before um, it was taken over, uh, it was inhabited by American Indians. And so there were a lot of um, stories about Native American ghosts on the island. And she would uh, be awakened by her boy, the one that told me the story. But when he was little, he would wake up and say there was an Indian face over his bed. And they would just send him back to bed thinking he was dreaming. And then one night he came into the room and he woke them up and he told them again, there's an Indian face over my bed. And when they looked, uh, they could see standing behind him was an actual Indian this time. And then the Indian turned and walked out and they followed it and they went out into the backyard and they were standing in their backyard watching several ghosts doing some sort of dance in their backyard. And their next door neighbors were standing in their backyard watching the same thing. And what made it so real to me is that when she told the story, she, she started to cry. And for me, that's always a sign. And just the details of what she described as yeah. well. And, and also the embarrassment. She was embarrassed telling the story. So I just grew up in this very haunted neighborhood. One of my favorite stories is our neighbor. Um, she had her husband haunted her house. He had died in his 40s. And she used to see him all the time walking around the house. And she said it, it was like he was in a movie. He never tried to connect with her. He never even acknowledged her. Um, he would be sitting in a chair, he'd be walking down a hallway, but she saw him all the time. And at one point, she had put this that house up for sale and was having a condominium, bought a condominium that was still being built. And then the condo was finished, she was moving in and still hadn't sold the house, so she decided to rent it. And um, she was telling me one day, she said, oh yeah, and the rentist called me and they said, Anne, we have to ask you a question. Yes. Um, did you ever see a man in the house? And Anne said, no, what are you talking about? And they said, well, there is a ghost in this house and it's a man. They described her husband and then said, and we see him all the time. And Anne said, no, I never saw that. And so I said, Anne, how could you lie to them like that? And she said, I got to sell this fucking house. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it sounds like a, um, what they call a residual haunting, where it's sort of, you know, like a record playing over and over again, um, a spirit that's sort of you know, in the same routine that it would have been in while in the living. Um, so not necessarily, as opposed to like an int- intelligent haunting where it would actually react to you. And you Yes, know. to me, that's what she said. It was like a movie and, and she could see him clear as day. It wasn't like what my father saw, which was sort of fuzzy. It was like she was looking at him, except that uh, she could see through him, but it, well, physically it was all there. And uh, that, But my cousin, Donna, had an experience in New Orleans, and that was definitely a ghost that was interacting with her, but was doing a routine that that woman had probably done in her life. What do you mean? What happened to Donna? Uh, Donna was staying in a hotel in New Orleans with her husband who was on a business trip. And um, she woke up and in the corner of the room in a chair, she saw something glowing. And then all of a sudden that glow took on a form and it was a, it was a woman. 
And the woman came over to the side of her bed, stood above her looking at her, physically took the blankets, lifted them off of her, and then tucked them around her chin. And, and she was just laying there frozen in fear, although she did feel that the ghost was um, not, not doing anything that was harmful, is actually caring. And so uh, she told her husband, her husband thought she was crazy. So the next night she's sleeping in bed and wakes up, looks over at the chair, the glow is there. She starts to see the ghost taking form. She, at this point, closes her eyes because she, she doesn't want to see it again. And, but, but all of a sudden she did feel the blankets being lifted off of her, brought up around her neck and tucked around her neck. And um, that was, they only stayed there two nights. So um, she was happy to get out of there. Yeah, see, I, um, again, I'm sure. When she, when she told me that story, she also had that um, reaction of uh, starting to cry. So she told that story through tears, which made it so real. And so she was so vulnerable when she was telling the story that um, it, to me, that's always a sign that um, a person is really telling you the truth or they're getting chills or they're, they get stuck on certain details about the experience. Yeah. And, and um, what was funny about that, that was that her son who later went on to become a scientist and he's very, very smart guy. He never believed in anything paranormal and he um, would make fun of his mother and she would get really upset about that because it was so real to her and she didn't want to be shamed for the experience. And, um, but her son was such a pain in the ass teasing her about it. And um, years later, when he was in college, he had a UFO experience. So um, he later told me that experience and said, I know exactly what my mother went through all those years. I made fun of her. My brother made fun of her. My father made fun of her. And now I've had something unexplainable happen that most people don't believe me. Yeah. Where did he see a UFO? Um, the, actually, I know we're talking about ghosts, but my stories in my family have more to do with UFOs. Honestly, we very rarely <laughs> talk about them on the show. Um, not for any specific reason. They just don't come up. But I, I think most people that believe in ghosts believe in UFOs because, yeah, I mean. That was, more, that was more of my family's thing was uh, these weird, weird stories about UFOs. Really? Uh, he saw a UFO in um, Vermont while he was in college there. And they were driving in a Jeep. I think it was a Jeep and him and his friends, and it was nighttime, and going down this road with you know trees on either side, and all of a sudden, over them was this, what he described as such a big craft, he couldn't see the ends of it. Oh my God. He said, looking straight up at it, it was so full of lights, and it was so far down, just, just hovering over the treetops, no sound, but so full of lights, he felt like he was looking up at a city because it was so big. And it just hovered over them and they just were under it. And then um, it went up so fast that it was literally felt like a second and it was gone. And when he got back to his dorm, they were telling people. And then I think someone in the dorm said, oh, well, did you talk to so-and-so? Because they were in another car with another group of people and saw the same thing not far from where you saw it. So those two groups of people talked and they had all shared the same experience uh, that night. Oh, that's validating. <laughs> but see, there's, 
it seems that there are families and again i don't know much about ufos compared to ghosts but there are from what i hear there are certain families that seem to be targeted by ufos like decade after decade their families have all i don't know why i don't know how it happens but is that the kind of thing that happens in your family like is are there multiple stories i think so um the the story that i grew up hearing before i had my own experience was um my sister and this is really creepy and maybe you saw a video jack plotnick did where he kind of stole this story and used it for one of his little videos so now i haunt him with photos of aliens and whatnot and try and scare him (laughs) but um my sister i was a baby and my parents had traveled out to san diego to visit my aunt and uncle and took me with them and my older sister, not the one that passed away, another, my other older sister and my older brother were, were still at home. And my sister had just gone to bed in the third floor, floor, which is an attic that had been converted into usable room with a bathroom and two, two bedrooms and whatnot. And she, so she's in her bed and literally had just crawled into bed. Mm. Um, it was summer and the window was open and she rolled over and she swears that standing there in her room and my sister is not, um, if you met my sister and people that know my sister, she is not very um, creative when it comes to this kind of stuff. I mean, she's just a, <laughs> you know what I mean? She's a housewife. You know what I mean? She's just not one of those people. Yeah. And um, standing next to her bed was this little being with very large eyes. And um, she now we're accustomed to the gray alien that everyone, that is not what she described. What she described was something that had more of a bluish tint to its skin. And, but what she became fixated on when she would tell the story is that what it did with its mouth and its mouth would, it opened up into what looked like an O and then that O just grew larger And as that was happening, its head started to rock back and forth from side to side. Oh, Oh, God. So she thought it was, she, in human terms, her brain is freaking out while at the same time trying to make sense of what she's seeing. And so she's thinking that it's laughing at her because the mouth is looking to her like a big grin, although it wasn't a grin, it was a perfect O. And the head is rocking. So she's thinking it's laughing at her. But she screamed. It scurried out of the room into the next room. And my brother was on the first floor, thought she was being murdered. The scream was so horrifying. And he flew up the stairs and, of course, said, you're dreaming, you're dreaming. And that was the end of it. But what had happened was a few weeks later when my mom came, my parents came home, Uh, another neighbor of ours called my mother and said, Helen, I have to talk to you. I think I'm going crazy. And um, my mom said, what happened? She said, well, you know, I've got the five kids and I forgot the laundry out on the line during the day. So I remembered and I went out at night to pull it off the line. And as I'm standing there, I look over and standing in my yard was this little person thing and (laughs) had these large eyes and then she started to describe to my mother what it was doing with its mouth and then how its head started to rock back and forth and my neighbor 
put her laundry back into her basket and just walked in the house thinking, I'm going to forget about that. And of course she couldn't. And she reached out to my mom and my mom said, oh my God, Susan described the same thing. And they figured out that they had both seen that thing on the same night. So um, oh I grew up, <laughs> they, were t- they were talking, you know, oh, it was a leprechaun. You know, they would laugh about it. It was um, a Martian man. They, they were in, I grew up in the late, in the late 60s and 70s. So the whole, that whole alien UFO culture wasn't something talked about. There was no internet. You know, Martians were a fantasy thing, things you saw on bugs, but it wasn't um, real. Mm-hmm. It wasn't talked like it is nowadays. But what do they think um, it, why do they, why, did, why do you think it might've been an alien? I mean, it, it could have been some kind of, I mean, it certainly seems like some kind of paranormal creature, but I mean, it could have been all kinds of things. That, well, the only reason I think it was an alien was because, um, well, be, I'll tell my story now. Okay. Which was years uh, later when I was probably about 11 or 12. Um, I was with my friend at the end of our street on a tennis court under some trees, walking back to my home where my parents and his parents were having a barbecue. And his brother was in front of us towards the other end of the tennis court. Um, closer to us, but walking in the same direction as us towards my home. And I remember I was talking. I remember I was looking at my foot in my hand as I was, you know, my head was down as I was talking to my friend, Jimmy. And all of a sudden uh, we were enveloped in this bright light and I was frozen and I had enough time to be looking at my hand and my foot and seeing the glow going around my fingers and it being more intense and then sort of spreading out. And I had enough time to think I'm frozen and I can't talk. And then all of a sudden we were both walking. I was no longer speaking and his brother was no longer in front of us. And I said to Jimmy, did you just see what I saw? He said that light. And I said, yes. And I said, I couldn't move. He said, either could I. So we both ran home and were telling our mothers. And I remember my mother was cutting up a watermelon. And she, they were distracted. And she was like, what are you talking about? You know, and and uh, I turned to Jimmy's brother and I said, well, you were right there. And he said, when? And I said, just now. And what seemed like a split second for us was enough time for him to walk home and have eaten barbecue. What? So there was this chunk of time missing that didn't make sense to me as a kid. I didn't think aliens again. I didn't know that. I just knew that when I talked about this experience, my body would tremble. Although telling it, I wasn't scared, but my body would tremble. My knees would shake. My voice would get shaky when I talked about it. And, um, And then I saw Close Encounters of the Third Kind in 1977. And that was the first time I thought, oh, that feels familiar. And I became obsessed. I also had these other weird experiences when I was really little. And this is really strange. Now, 
some of these memories started to come back because I had read about how people who have these experiences when they're little, again, like my sister tried to think, oh, well, the alien's laughing at me. But when I was little, I used to wake up and run into my parents' room and I saw um, Peggy Lee or a woman that looked, I didn't see, I, I knew that Peggy Lee or some, a woman that looked like Peggy Lee <laughs> was standing outside my window with two short Italian men. And the only reason I said they were Italian was because I grew up in an Italian-Irish neighborhood and Italian was sometimes spoken, which sounded like gibberish to me. And so these two smaller men were speaking gibberish, which I interpreted as Italian. So they must have been Italian, but they were short. And this woman was, had long white hair, dressed in white with big black sunglasses. And so I- Were they staring at you or what No, I didn't never, I never saw them. Oh. I, in my mind, I would get so frightened because I would, it, in my head, it was like I could hear them and I knew that they were outside my window. But what I described to my mother, you know, if you st- when I look back, I think, well, the big black sunglasses all dressed in white with long white is almost like alienish with these two hmm. shorter ones, which is what my sister described as something that was shorter. And years later, when I read Communion by Whitley Stryber, he described what my sister saw. And I, it was the first time I heard of this other type of alien that did more of the abducting, it was more of the worker. And it was the first time outside of my family and my neighbor where I had ever heard of someone seeing exactly what they saw. So that really chilled me. So this experience that you had when you're walking down the street with your friend, do you think that you were abducted? Is that what you're saying? I do think something happened and there was missing time. Years later when I had my accident when I was 16 years old and um, I talked about that accident What's, the, what's that, the accident story? Oh, I had fallen through a glass shower door and I did die. And I mutilated my whole body and it was terrible. And I was home alone. But, okay, um, wait, we're going to have to get to that too. But, but anyway, the, um, the, uh, that experience is obviously frightening. And, and um, when, I would, when I first started to talk about that as it, when, after it happened, I noticed that my body and my voice would shake in the same way I did when I talked about that light experience. And that I made a connection that something happened then that did frighten me. I just don't remember it, but my body remembered it. Yeah. I wonder what if you got like hypnotized or like did a- I did do that once. Okay. Now, when I was in um, living in Manhattan in the cabaret world doing my show, there were some people, I had met this guy and he had had, he had been in uh, uh, almost what had been a plane accident. And because he was so traumatized by that, the, the plane company, I guess, paid for therapy. And while he was in therapy, recovered this alien experience that had nothing to do with this airplane accident. Um, and so I had shared my experiences with 
this woman I knew from the cabaret world, and she knew this guy and said, oh, you should talk to him. And through all of them, I was hypnotized by this leading Bud Hopkins, that's his name, Bud Hopkins. I went to his home in New York City and he hypnotized me and I, didn't, I just was not um, feeling it. I didn't think anything was happening. I didn't get anything from, from this. The only thing I can say that I saw was I was looking down at one point and all I saw were what looked to me like baby, babies or baby heads. And the other thing is, as I started to come out of it, it was as if I was lying down and all of a sudden something was beside me and then the, whoever it was, their face came right down into my face. And I can only describe it as looking like a lizard person with yellow eyes, a very flat face with uh, like scales. And, um, I, I'm not even sure I told Bud that. Um, and he said, as I was coming out of this hypnotism, you, you will feel safe, you will go home and feel very safe and all of this. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and I left there, got back to my apartment. And this is very unusual for me because I don't vomit, but I could not stop vomiting after really? that. Yes. And... I later learned that there are, you know, these lizard-like aliens, and I've seen pictures drawn of them that look exactly what I saw in that hypnotist thing, and I thought, I cannot believe that's exactly what I saw under hypnosis without ever having known about that world. There's of, people, the, if you, you so. could get into hours of internet conspiracies that, um, oh, totally. that I celebrities, know. there's many celebrities or yes. top, like, you know, Illuminati types yes, that I are know. lizard and people. I don't, I don't go into any of that. I mean, I could tell you though a story about my cousin, another cousin of mine who has since passed away. And she came to New York to tell me two things. One was that she loved gay men and she wanted me to know where I came from and that it was gay men who took care of her during her illness. And she wanted to know that, um, that that's what I came from, that gay people have this in them and that I should always know that, that we are caretakers and that we are special. And she... I was just coming out, and so that was very powerful. And then the other story she told me was so unreal. And again, she cried when she told me it. And it had to do with one of these, um, these um, lizard-type shape-shifting people. And this was in Washington, D.C., and it was a very creepy story. And um, it was very real to her. Can you tell it? I don't want to tell it because okay. it's, it's so unreal and it's her story and she's not around. Um, but I can only say that um, it did involve um, someone that, that um, where she worked in Washington, D.C. She worked in a restaurant that catered to all of these very high-powered men and whatnot. And this was not a man she knew, but he... Um, he told her, I'm basically telling you the story. He basically told her things 
he was sharing that things aren't always how they appear and this and that. And he, he um, apparently uh, shape-shifted mm-hmm. and, uh, in front of her. And um, she'll never, she, it just shook her up so badly. So it's amazing what- I believe uh You know, it was real to her. It was so real to her. And she did not feel comfortable telling people, but because I was gay, she wanted, there were things she needed to get off her chest before she died. And those were two of them. And she needed someone to know that that had happened to her. Oh my God. Now this is our first ever- two-part episode because there was just she just gave us too much that we had to break it up so we've got next week coco will be back and we will be listening to evps and hearing (laughs) just (laughs) maybe two more handfuls of her incredible stories which i cannot wait for you to hear and um god we even got some reptilian stories which we have not heard yet on the show and I am very fascinated by reptilians. I had this idea one time that I was going to write this script about um, kind of like drag queens that are actually reptiles um, that are wearing like human drag. And it was called a reptile dysfunction. All right. Anyway, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. I am silly today. I'm sorry. I've had a long day. Um, (laughs) uh, Thank you guys so much for listening. And um, as always, please give the show five stars on Apple Podcasts. And if you have a ghost story, you could leave it there. Or you could leave it in the Facebook group, Ghosted by Roz Dressfiles. If you want to be in a listener episode, please email me, ghostedbyroz at gmail.com and put in the subject line, listener episode. I love you all, both living and dead. But if I didn't ask you to haunt me, don't haunt me. Okay, bye! Star Bands Audio, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.